So uh, good to be with everybody. Um, and as I said, happy uh, Thanksgiving week. And uh, so well, we're gonna start a series now on building our capacity. And uh, reason being is that I think as we all know, right, we're, we're kind of entering uh, kind of a time of change, right? Our ground conditions are changing with COVID. Uh, we're you know, entering the holidays. There'll be a lot of things that'll be unusual for us that we haven't dealt with before. Um, and, uh, and we've got a kind of an extended period of time to kind of move through this, right? We've got to get through uh, the holidays, uh, which will be different, I think, for a lot of us, uh, you know, not seeing family and friends as much, um, and uh, then getting into winter. And so this is really a good time to talk about uh, how we're building our capacity and, uh, you know, what it means to build capacity and what are some strategies around it. So uh, that's what we're going to do uh, for probably the next, uh, next few weeks. Uh, and uh, we'll see how we're going. Now, uh, what I want to ask, though, uh, is please make sure that you're uh, chatting in questions and comments. Those are really helpful for everybody. And uh, I think everybody benefits by sharing. Um, so, you know, we have um, uh, about 40 people on right now. So that would be good. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about uh, capacity. And I, I chose this picture for a reason. And uh, because at the end of every storm, there's sunshine, right? And so you can kind of see in this picture, what do we have, right? Well, there's a, there's a storm that's subsiding uh, and the sun's coming out. And that's a lot of what, what turbulence is, right? When we go through times and, and we're building our capacity to do things uh, when we're going through a process, uh, it seems hard. Um, and then you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and on the other end of it, you kind of look back on it, you go, oh, that wasn't too bad, or I learned a lot, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. But there's always a, a bright spot uh, when you're moving through uh, times that are challenging or unfamiliar. And, it, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but it's when, it's when, the, um, when the new feels old is when you know you've built your capacity. So um, capacity uh, in a Webster's sense, right, is the ability to receive or, or contain. So when we build our capacity, we're receiving information, skills, uh, knowledge that allow us to deal, cope, uh, or maneuver through, or and hopefully thrive through uh, a new situation. So that's how we, you know, when we're building our capacity, that's the goal, right? We want to build our knowledge base. We want to build our skill set, build our muscle memory around how do we navigate something so that when we see it again, it just becomes kind of second nature. Now, um, when, after we build our capacity, we become more capable. And um, so capability, right, is having the power and the ability. And uh, so, so when we, we build our capacity, so that we can become more capable. So building capacity in and of itself, if you don't use it, it's not really worth anything. But if you're building your capacity to be knowingly more capable, right? Now all of a sudden you've got a skill set, you've got that muscle memory where you can navigate circumstances uh, you know, more, more easily. We're gonna talk about at the end, uh, an awareness strategy around uh, using your capability as you go through the process of going through change events. So um, I'm going to take this, um, as some of you guys know, I'm just finishing a book about change. And uh, this is one of, the, um, uh, one of the quotes from the book. But regardless for me, regardless of the outcome, once we try something new, we are 100% more experienced 
and in, in that area than before we started. And so that's what it's all about, right? We build our capacity by trying something new. And uh, once, doesn't really matter, we try something new, it doesn't really matter how, uh, how, how it turns out. Better maybe if it turned out uh, a raging success, but it doesn't have to, because what we're trying to do in building our capacity, we're building our knowledge. And that's what's really important to understand is that we're building our knowledge when we do something. So even though we try something new and it doesn't work out right, um, then, uh, uh, then what, what, what you've done is you've, you've still enhanced your knowledge so that when you go to do it again, it looks, more, it looks more familiar. And I remember when I was playing sports, youth sports, I was um, big for my age. So I was always playing with kids that were, were older than me. I mean, in some cases, like I played five years of varsity football, eighth grade through, um, through my senior year, you know? I mean, and, and, I, and every, time, every time I get one of these new situations, I remember this. I remember standing there thinking to myself, holy smokes, these people, these, these guys have like beards and mustaches and necks like this. I'm 14 years old, right? Um, but you know what? After you kind of go through that a few times, all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, this isn't that bad. I can do this, right? I mean, the first couple of times were pretty ugly. I can tell you that, right? But it's, it, it, but it's about making sure that you're putting yourself in a place where you can have those experiences because that's how uh, you become more capable, right? And once we try something, once we try something for the first time, doesn't matter the outcome. As a matter of fact, I'm an advocate of don't worry about the outcome. Don't worry about the outcome because really want, what you really want is the experience around it. And once you get that experience, then the next time you do it, then the next time you do it, okay, you're, you're on your way to becoming an expert at it. I think a lot of times we get caught up in worrying about the outcome. And, and, you know, frankly, it's not the outcome. The, out, the outcome is the ending, but all the knowledge is in the journey, okay? You, you don't, if you always jump to the end, well, there's no knowledge in the end. There's only knowledge in the journey, right? And that's when it doesn't really matter how it turns out. What it matters is what did I learn on the journey? And then the more I learn on the journeys I take, then I'm gonna have much better outcomes, right? Maybe sometimes more guaranteed outcomes. And so we build our capacity by stretching beyond our current condition. Now, I just happen to, you know, choose someone stretching, but, you know, stretching your body physically, stretching your mind, it's the same process, right? Where we build our capacity only by stretching beyond our current condition, okay? Everything right here is known, okay? Out here is the unknown. And I only build my capacity and I only become more capable, okay? by putting myself in a position where I can, where, where I'm having a new experience and I'm kind of getting outside of my comfort zone. It's kind of the old argument, right? Get out, get outside of, get outside of your comfort zone. But if you want to build capacity, then you have to be outside of that comfort zone and not worry about it. Don't be afraid of it. Okay. It's actually inviting you in. It's saying, Hey, you know, come try this out. Right. Um, and, and have that, have that experience. And, and so I think maybe sometimes it gets overused, you know, live outside your comfort zone or life begins at the end of your comfort zone. You have all these expressions. Um, and uh, of course they're all true, but all of that I think maybe sometimes gets lost in the fact that the reason why you wanna be outside of your comfort zone is to build your capacity. It is to become more capable, okay? It's not for the purpose of just being uncomfortable. It doesn't seem like, 
really a wise choice, you know, like I'm going to get up this morning and just make sure I'm uncomfortable. No, I'm uncomfortable because I want to be, I want to be in a space that I've never been before so I can learn something. And how do I get to uh, that new place? And you remember a couple of episodes, uh, sessions ago, we were talking about a me model and, um, you know, the different variations of ourselves. Well, we have our, our old me models, right, from years ago. And we have the one we are today and they're not really similar. It might be similar bodies and, and all that, but, but they're dissimilar in the fact that you've had more experiences and one is built upon the other and that's building your capacity. And so I think understanding that when we wanna build our capacity, it is when we have to get outside of our current condition, okay? And that's the purpose of it. The purpose of it isn't just to match the cliche, okay? Um, and I'm a real believer in that all people, all people are capable of everything. And uh, I know there's some people who disagree with that, uh, but I think you take a look at, at the people who challenge themselves. Um, you know, some of, the, um, some of the people who are really good at things weren't naturally good at them at first, but they kept trying over and over again. And, and so again, when we build our capacity, when we put ourselves in new situations where we're stretching our, our, our coping skills, um, our available energy to be able to um, deal with new circumstances, then that all builds onto our muscle memory set so that then we're able to navigate not only in similar situations, but even unsimilar situations, but still might be uh, by new to us. So. You know, I'm, again, I'm a big believer in that all people, all people are capable of doing really anything they want as, as long as they're open to it and, and that they allow themselves the room. You have to allow yourself space to try something new, okay? And, and don't worry about how it turns out, right? I think what stops people a lot is worrying about the outcome. And, and like I said, it's not about the outcome, it's about the journey, okay? You have more positive journeys, you're going to have more positive outcomes. And um, I think the other part, and I think this kind of speaks maybe to the moment of time we're coming into, is uh, higher levels of capability give us endurance. And um, you know, and I, I've heard this quote, and I, I can't take uh, can't take credit for it. And I forgot who the author was, so I just left it anonymous. But at the end of every challenge lies an equal or greater benefit. At the end of every challenge lies an equal and greater benefit. And so the reason why we're given that challenge and the reason why we're being given um, the ability to uh, raise our levels of capability and, and gain more endurance, right, is so that, so that we can more easily navigate through things. And so once we... Um, build our capabilities, right? Um, then we have more endurance and we have endurance for things that maybe we're not even aware of yet, okay? But it gives us kind of that, that, that imputed muscle memory so that we can navigate situations, we can navigate them more easily. So you think about it in terms of somebody who maybe is a runner and um, they start off um, you know, with a mile and then the mile leads to two miles. And then once you do two miles, okay, then all of a sudden the next thing, it's like, wait, wait a minute, I could run a 5K, which is three miles. It's actually 3.1, 3.01. I can run a 5K, right? And then if I run a 5K, hey, whoa, wait a minute. I can run it, maybe I can run a 10K. 
right? Which is six miles. And so everything, everything we do um, in, as we become more capable and we focus on our capabilities and our capacity, our capacity uh, to uh, you know, navigate and manage certain circumstances, it builds up our endurance for things. So then things that, that maybe seemingly might seem hard or might be hard for somebody else, or maybe it might've been hard for the older model of you, an old me model, right? All of a sudden really are a lot easier because we've built up that, that endurance by building our capacity. Uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, probably at least for me, I think sports are good at, before we leave this, I think, you know, uh, sports, athletics, I think are a really good analogy for that because, you know, most of us can kind of identify with it, right? You know, if I can do um, 20 setups and I can do 30 setups and then I, maybe I can do 40, maybe I can do 50, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. But, you know, think about it in terms like that, right? Um, that that as, I be, as I build my capacity, I'm actually building my endurance to be able to handle things. Um, and what I talked about earlier in the first couple of slides is that when the new becomes old, so when that new thing that you did that, um, that maybe didn't turn out okay, maybe at the ending wasn't exactly the way you wanted, but, but, but you took the journey and you took the journey enough times so that when that new thing, that new activity, that new place, that new relationship, that new project, that new skill you're building, that new capacity that you're building inside of you, when that new becomes old, when it feels like it's old space, okay, like you're totally comfortable in it, that's when you know you've increased your capacity. And so you have to keep doing things over and over again to be able to build your capacity. But think about it in terms of when, when I'm comfortable with what was once new, so when, once, so when what was once new is now old and comfortable, that's when you know you've increased your capacity. And um, I don't know if any of you have read any Malcolm uh, Gladwell books, um, and, uh, but they're great. And one of the books, uh, The Outliers, I don't know how old these books are now. I'm, I'm going to say they're probably 15 to 20 years old, something like that. Um, but they're great. And uh, Gladwell is kind of a um, social anthropologist where he really kind of studies trends and thinking and, you know, why people do what they do, why do cultures do what they do, why does society do what they do. Um, and, and so they're really, they're really great. I mean, I can't really say that... Um, there's a specific, um, you know, um, they're not self-help books, um, but they're not straight anthropological books either, right? So he, but he really spends a lot of time on how things, how people, why people do what they do, how do they do them, and what, what's the impact? So in Outliers, he has, he developed what he called the 10,000 hour rule. Now, I'm not gonna advocate anybody spend 10,000 hours doing something, but I'm gonna explain the rule to you and then you can equate it to what we've been talking about, about building capacity. So the 10,000 hour rule uh, in Outliers, and, and I would recommend you read it, it's a great book. The 10,000 hour rule, he used uh, three examples of, of how doing something for 10,000 hours really makes you uh, world-class, makes you an ex expert at something. He used Bill Gates, he used the Beatles and he used the Canadian youth hockey system. And I'm gonna give you just a quick explanation of all of them. So Bill Gates uh, grew up in kind of a you know, somewhat affluent environment. 
uh, went to a private school uh, for his uh, high school. Um, and in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, he went to the, this private school he went to, had a mainframe. Now, you know, a mainframe computer back then was as big as my room, right? This is my office here. And, um, and but he actually uh, got time there uh, to go and write code. And that's how he got so good at code is that he spent hours and hours and hours writing code, right? And of course, back then, you know, you're looking at a, you know, a black, you know, monochromatic screen and, and you're like physically writing code. And, and so he spent um, hours and hours and hours doing that. And that's how he got proficient at code, right? And he spent well over 10,000 hours doing it. But he did it over and over and over again. So that's uh, Bill Gates. So next, I'm gonna give you the Beatles. Now, the Beatles, right, as most of us know, is from Liverpool, uh, but they spent a lot of their playing time in Germany in the, in the uh, bar, the kind of the bar scene in the early 60s in Hamburg, Germany. And they played and they played and they played night after night, year after year, okay? Until they got so good, they became the international, um, uh, you know, hit, right, that, that they, that they became. And, uh, but they played night after night after night. I, you know, and I always, when I was reading the book, I could kind of envision, you know, a smoky bar, you know, with these guys on set playing and, um, you know, just kind of night after night at, at some of the same bars and kind of rotating from, from bar to bar. But that's how they became so good. And they became so good, it just became second nature to them, right? And they started having more fun while they were doing it. And uh, next, I'll give you the, uh, Cana the Canadian youth hockey system. So uh, I think, you know, uh, without much argument, uh, the, you know, Canadians, um, you know, produce the, the best hockey players in the world. And part of that is on their youth hockey system and how, you know, from a very young age, these skaters, okay, um, they're in a program. Um, that is constantly moving them up. They're skating all the time, all the time. And, they're, and what's happening is that their skill levels are always challenged along the way. And so when you get to a certain point, you're on a certain team, uh, they move you up, right? They move you up kind of whether you're ready or not, right? And, and that, that's how they keep building it. So by the time they get into their um, teens or you know, late teens or maybe even of college age, uh, uh, a lot of them you know, have logged way more than 10,000 hours. Okay, uh, to become proficient at what they do. So the reason I chose this example is, is simply because um, I think it speaks to the fact that, um, that um, uh, it's, it's about uh, how often you do things and you have to continue to do them and how you keep doing them long enough, like Bill Gates writing code. He wrote code long enough um, where it just became kind of second nature to him, right? The Beatles, you know, played long enough Right, almost like if you take a look at the, and I don't know anything about the, the bar scene in Hamburg, Germany in the early 60s, but you know, you can kind of imagine it, right? Um, and um, you know, you can kind of kind of see, right? Where like every night really they were playing for a small audience, but they were really practicing. That's what they were doing. They were really practicing for another time when it mattered more. But for it to matter more in the future, they had to actually live in the moment and practice. Right, and that's what building our capacity is. Okay, we're building our capacity, right, so that so that as other events occur, um, that that we have the tools, the innate tools to be able to handle it. 
All right. And a lot of times when we're given opportunities to build our capacity, um, they're not really serious circumstances. Sometimes they are, of course, but a lot of times they're not. A lot of times it's really just a, just a test ground, right? Where, oh, I can try this out here. Oh, this is a pretty good place. I mean, the, you know, if I don't do too well, the risks aren't too bad, right? Um, and, and that's what happens, right? So you're building your capacity to when you get that break open, that, that um, um, you know, that, that moment, that breakout moment, okay? Where, uh, ooh, this matters now, right? Or this matters more, or I can have a greater impact, right? And that's when all these little events that you have to help build your capacity is when they matter the most, right? And, and I think about the time we're in right now, um, where, um, you know, who knows kind of what the winter's gonna hold. Um, you know, the ground conditions for COVID are certainly changing. And, um, you know, people are gonna handle that at times better, you know, better or worse, right? Um, you know, not, and, and so how do we show up, right? For the people around us, how do we show up to kind of help them through? You know, we got a friend or a family member, clients, right? That may be having a, uh, having a hard time. And, and we've built our capacity so that we can deal with it. That gives us greater capacity to help other people. And, and so, you know, think about that, right? As we're building our capacity to kind of deal with this uh, kind of mercurial environment that we're in, um, probably until, you know, spring. Um, and um, so how do we build our capacity to kind of navigate it, have fun, you know, to the extent we can? And then how do we help others along the way? That's all about building your capacity. So, um, yeah, Diane uh, Jenkins just mentioned that um, uh, that Gladwell wrote uh, uh, two other books, which are equally as good, uh, called Blink uh, and The Tipping Point. And they're great. All three of those books, really, uh, The Outliers, Blink, and Tipping Point, they're just, they're great. They're great reads. And it gives you, um, you know, much uh, greater, um, a view of things. I'll just tell you one thing about tipping point, uh, just to deviate for a second. Tipping point is is really good because it talks about at to a certain point, um, you know, when does enough energy uh, develop or focus around a certain a certain uh, topic or event, and then it kind of flips over, right? Which is the tipping point. One of the examples he uses is hush puppy shoes. You know, I kind of like vaguely remember Hush, Pu Hush Puppy Shoes, but, but they were talking, but he talks about it in, in that there was a group of kids in New York City that didn't want to be like anybody else. So they bought Hush Puppy Shoes because nobody else was wearing them. And the company that made Hush Puppy Shoes was actually getting ready to shut the line down because nobody bought them. And they went from making 20,000 20, shoes a year to 500,000 shoes a year in one year. And here's what happened. They, uh, this group of kids wore them and they were somewhat uh, connected to the fashion industry. And then uh, the fashion, you know, somebody in the fashion industry, a photographer saw them, they put it, they, they saw them. Uh, they put them in, a, they put them in a, a bunch of photo shoots. And then all of a sudden it kind of became this uh, avant-garde type shoe, almost like a retro, you know, kind of avant-garde cool shoe to wear. And then all of a sudden the shoe company went from, you know, discontinuing the line to having to expand the line and like, um, and multiplying it many times. So. Uh, the production line many times. So you kind of never know about things, right? You know, how things develop. I think that gives you a little bit of insight as to um, what Gladwell gets into into his books. It's really great. Um, so uh, let's talk about, now get back to our subject matter. Uh, so let's just talk about how do we build, um, 
How do we build our capacity? And how do we know we're building our capacity? Um, because if we don't, if we don't, if we can't kind of self-diagnose and self-coach along the way, which is not the easiest thing to do, but you can learn how to do it. And this is a really good tool. Um, if you if you don't, it, it it can kind of feel like drudgery, and you don't want that, right? You want new experiences to be be fun. You want them to be new, right? And and new things, you know, are usually fun. So um, so I, I I actually use this in my book. It's been around a long time, so it's nothing I developed. Um, but it's how you can plot how you plot yourself, right? Manage yourself, um, and how you're building your capacity. And it's uh, the, called the four, um, uh, four stages of competency. So as we're building our capacity in a new event, okay, whatever it is, right? Uh, you, you go through four different stages. And some of you might've seen this, it's been around a long time, but I think, I think that um, I like it because it's instructive and it's easy. We only have to remember four things. So um, first, when we, when we first do something, which we've never done before, right? We are unconsciously incompetent. So in other words, we don't know, we don't know. We're just doing this thing, right? Maybe I read the directions, maybe I didn't, maybe I saw somebody do it, but I'm just doing it. And you're unconsciously incompetent. You don't have any muscle memory. You have no synaptic connection, okay? Right, you have no synaptic connection. Your, our minds build neural pathways through synaptic connections. The more you do something, the more, the stronger the synaptic connection gets. So. Uh, cells that fire together wire together, basically, right? So I have no, I have no, um, um, I have, I, I'm totally unconscious about this. You know, I, I just don't know what I don't know. So then I go to the next level where I'm consciously incompetent. And that's okay. So like we look at the word incompetent, all right? And we look at it as being bad and it's not. Incompetent means you just don't know, right? And so when I'm consciously incompetent, that means I've gone from um, not knowing what I don't know to knowing that I don't know, all right? So now when I'm consciously incompetent, I know I don't know. And, and that's where a lot of the learning comes into place, right? That's where you start to really start to build your capacity is that awareness that all right, I'm in this new space, I did this, I, I tried this thing, um, it did or didn't work out okay, but I'm gonna try it again. But now that I'm trying it again, you know, now I know I don't know a lot. And then the next stage is you become consciously competent. So consciously competent is, okay, I know how to do this, but I got to think about it. Like it's not, it's not just muscle memory for me. I've got some neural pathways developed on it, um, but, but I have to really work on it. For me to be competent in this, I have to be very aware and conscious, okay? And then the next stage is unconscious competence. So you go from being unconsciously incompetent at the beginning to being unconsciously competent at the end, all right? And unconsciously competent in the end, it's just muscle memory, right? I can do this with my eye clo eyes closed. I don't have to think about it. So it's a little bit like being a new 16-year-old driver versus a 58-year-old driver. There's just certain things you just don't think about, right? Um, and, um, and so you have to kind of, you know, kind of look at it, you know, that way. So these are four stages and you can measure these very easily on anything you're doing, even if it's something you've been doing for a while and you like to be better at, okay? But you can measure every one of these and these don't apply, these apply to, um, 
um, things that we're doing, you know, like a process, or it might apply uh, to thinking. You can really use it anywhere, right? You know, I want to I want to learn more about this new thing, right? And 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 plot yourself, right? Measure yourself through these four stages. Um, and then you'll feel yourself building the capacity along the way because you'll be recognizing where you are. And the key to understanding where you are is like we talked about, about when the, when the new becomes old, you know you've built your capacity, right? And then when the new becomes old, it's somewhere kind of in between the conscious incompetence and the conscious competent. It's somewhere, somewhere in there. So I hope that's helpful for everybody. I use it all the time. When I'm starting something new or a new project or... Um, and I'll actually give you a really good example. I've been writing this book now for about a year or so, and I kind of put it on pause with uh, the COVID thing and then picked it back up again. And some of the material we're using actually comes from the book, but I'd never written a book before. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny when I look at what I wrote a year ago versus, you know, um, what I'm writing today, it's entirely different, you know, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So for me, I just, well, I just got to go do it and, and then I'll learn along the way. And um, it's kind of interesting. It's in its third stage of editing now. And, um, you know, kind of the things, some of the things I wrote that I thought made sense really don't make sense. And my editor says, hey, that doesn't make any sense. You want to explain that. And so that's all part of going through those steps, right? So you're unconsciously incompetent, consciously uh, incompetent, consciously competent, and then unconsciously competent. Use that as a measuring tool uh, for anything that you're doing, right? And it will, it will, it will tell you where you are. And it'll also give you insight as to what the next steps are. So thank you for that. That was a lot of fun. Um, any other, any other uh, chats in here? Robin says she loved Tipping Point. Yeah, Tipping Point's a great book. Great book. It's in all, all sorts of like inner city um, situations. Um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's really a cool book. So, and you could pick it, some of this stuff up on a podcast too. Uh, someone's asked, when is, when's my book signing? <laughs> I'll let you know. We still got a ways to go. I, I would say that I'm in the consciously competent stage. So we've got a little bit more work to do, but uh, thank you for asking that. So, well, have a uh, wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, we'll see everybody uh, next Monday. Take care.